0: in him, and of the power of forgiveness available to any who would put their trust in Jesus. We exist to help people find and then follow Jesus, who alone offers real hope, meaning, and purpose, both in this life and in the one to come. And in order to fulfill this mission, God has given us the Holy Spirit as well as certain practices we can engage in together as a body, his body, that will help us fulfill this mission there are many practices we could consider but because January has four weeks we're going to look at four as we as and we're taking these four from a little section in the in a book of the Bible first Corinthians chapters 12 to 16 which is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the first churches helping them understand how to be the church The four practices are serving, which we're going to look at today, chapter 12, loving, chapter 13, known as the love chapter of the Bible, worshiping, chapter 14, and then living generously, chapter 16. And because these are practices, our goal for each person who calls City Church home is to practice these behaviors more. Now, if you're visiting today, maybe because you've made a New Year's resolution to go to church more, we are so glad you're here. Please don't feel any pressure at all. In fact, I think you'll enjoy this behind-the-scenes tour, as it'll give you a sense of what we're about. But for the rest of us who call City Church home, to help us practice for the entire month, We've dedicated the commons to serve as our practice room. Kara's mentioned this. The commons is still going to be used for refreshments and video overflow during services. But after each service, each week this month, we will have people available to help you learn how you can practice each one of these behaviors more. You can stop by any week to receive help on any of the practices, though we will have a focus for each one each week. So I hope you'll make it a point to stop by at least once this month because we can all grow, we can all get better at this. Today, we're looking at the practice of serving, and I'm really excited to share with you what God's design for the church is. As a church leader, this is one of the passages that most informs my understanding of how the church is supposed to function, and when we get it, it is so beautiful. Follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's page 1745 in your pew Bible, words will also be on the screen. It's 31 verses, so I will skip or summarize for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. The idea of spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit is one that will already be familiar to you. If you've heard of StrengthsFinder or the disk inventory or the Enneagram, this is similar. Those instruments are all ways of helping us understand the different ways people act or are motivated or how they're wired. Verses 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Different, same. Diversity in unity. At the very outset, Paul wants us to know that we are all different, but we are all working for the same purpose. We may show who God is differently, but we are all representing the same God. And did you notice who gives the gifts? Verse four, God does, we don't get to choose. So here's the main point and here's what I want us to focus on today. Verse seven, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Say that aloud with me, would you? Now to each one, okay. Wake up, people. A little louder. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The message paraphrases it like this. Each person is, giving, is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. Right off the bat, we're told two important truths about spiritual growth. Everyone has a gift, and they are given for the common good. Everyone has a gift. Every single person who is a follower of Jesus, who has put their trust in Jesus, has the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within them. So Jesus tells us right before he dies, John 14, 17, but you know him, the Holy Spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. And the Spirit is in us to help us with all kinds of things. Guidance, comfort, remembering truth, overcoming sin, But he also empowers us supernaturally with gifts to be used for his glory. You may not have known that was a thing. Now you do. You may not know what your gift is, but I hope that by the end of today, you will have a little bit better idea. And gifts are given for the common good, not for us to climb the ladder of success. Their sole purpose is to benefit the community. Ephesians 4 puts it like this So Christ himself gave, and then he lists these different gifts and roles, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The amazing truth is that when we exercise the gifts God has given us correctly, the church is built up. We get a little bit stronger. We are more effective at accomplishing our mission of representing Jesus on this earth, being his hands and feet, offering peace and justice and love to those around us. And what's more, when you are operating out of your gift, it not only benefits those in the community, it brings joy and fulfillment to you, and your own faith is built up. It's the ultimate win-win. That's why it is so important for us as a community that everybody here knows what gift or gifts God has given them. When you're functioning out of your giftedness, you'll do it as long as possible. It doesn't matter whether your term is up, whether anybody acknowledges it. So what are these gifts? In verses 8 to 11, Paul lists some of those gifts. I'm not going to read this because this is just one list he references. I've tried to bold them so you can see them quickly. Um, The gifts are listed four times in the Bible and those times will be on the screen in a minute here. But they are never put in exactly the same way because there is no one set list. In fact, any time these gifts are discussed, the point is not to list the gifts exhaustively, but rather to highlight the variety and to encourage people to exercise them cheerfully and humbly. So right now, please take out the insert inside your program. And I want you to look at the front page with the image of the body on it. I've compiled various gifts listed in the Bible here, and I wanna do a sort of spiritual gifts blitz, okay? I'm gonna describe each gift here tweet style just to give you a sense of whether or not you may have that gift. And as I do, what I want you to do is make this really personal. Do a little self-assessment as we go through these. Maybe you put a star by one or two or three of these that you think God may have given you. Now, before we blitz, notice the phrases I've put underneath the body there. I couldn't figure out how to put a little star right there by the guy's legs, but that's where I want you to look. This is a sample list. This is by no means comprehensive, and it kind of pains me to not put all the gifts, but I would drive my graphics person crazy if I did. And some gifts can also be exercised without any sort of authority, like praying for healing or encouraging others. So you can just do that without knowing how to connect into the church. Also, you may have a gift, but it just isn't the right season for you to exercise it for whatever reason. Babies are sucking the sleep and life out of you, or health crisis, or whatever. Um, So maybe you'll choose to serve in a different way during this season in life. Third, it often takes experimentation and coaching to know what your gift is. So maybe you really are a gifted teacher, you just need time to develop that gift. And then my favorite, the last line, gifts equals deeper engagement with what we are all called to do. Paul would about roll over in his grave if we turn this concept of gifts into a license not to do something we're all called to do. We're all called to have faith, to give, to be hospitable, to serve, to help, whether we have this gift or not. So if there are chairs that need to be set up, it would not be appropriate for me to say, sorry, that's not my gift. That would be a misuse of this concept, okay? So with that aside, let's run through these briefly. Helping, sometimes called serving. Helpers love to help, often behind the scenes. They love to invest their time and energy into furthering other people's work. You need help setting up the church picnic? Happy to. You need documents printed for children's ministry? I'm on it. While others may do this kind of thing begrudgingly to lend a hand because we know we should, helpers love this. They feel good helping someone else. Bless you helpers out there. I think my exact words to you generally are, can we clone you? Hospitality. Think people, not gourmet meals, pottery barn, or Pinterest. If you have this gift, you put more emphasis on making people feel at home rather than on making your home look great. You are about radical inclusion. You're always thinking, who is somebody who's on the outside, who's feeling left out, and how can we draw them in? You throw parties when your house isn't perfect. Your yearly gatherings include new faces every year. You notice and have compassion for the newcomer. Shepherding, like a shepherd tending the flock, you long to see those around you cared for growing in their faith healthy in every way, and you will spend time with, listen to, and encourage others to do just that. Sometimes this word is translated pastoring, but shepherding is not just for those with the job title pastor. In fact, because the Bible stresses relationships and mentoring, and Lindsay mentioned this in her announcement, our entire church is organized at every age level children students, adults for growth groups for everyone to be connected to someone who can shepherd them teaching teachers love to discover a truth in the bible and help others grasp it in a way that leads to life change you love watching the aha moment in your students you are gratified seeing the impact it has on their lives A 70-year-old woman I know offers her gift of teaching to an elementary age Sunday school class and is always eager to tell you how she taught a certain Bible story, how creative she was with it and what the kids took away from it. Faith, sure, we all have faith, but if you have this gift, you have a unique capacity to trust God amidst impossible odds. You're generally unflappable. When obstacles come, they don't defeat you like they would the rest of us one writer describes it like this the average person says I have to see it in order to believe it but the person with this gift says if I believe it I know I'm gonna see it often you are the buoys that hold the rest of us afloat evangelism if this is you you are absolutely convinced that becoming a follower of Jesus is the best thing that could happen to anyone And God's love for others, particularly those who are far from him, just oozes out of you. You don't have to say or do a lot. You're always thinking about how someone outside the church would be hearing sermons or or experiencing church. And if you are not offering your gift, we are not the church. Because the church exists for people who are not yet here. We need you. Mercy. Oh, where are our bleeding hearts? you know who you are. You always seem to find the person or they find you in the room who is in the most pain. People just come up to you and start sharing their wounds and if that's not your personality, even if they don't, you can't help but see the brokenness in this world and to wanna do something about it. Starving children, people oppressed in poverty or disease, people in personal crisis, When others run away, you run towards them. Oh, how we need your soft hearts. Giving. We're all called to be generous, but some of you give recreationally. You get money and you have fun dreaming up new and creative ways to be able to bless others. An envelope of cash for a family in need. An anonymous money order for someone with a big debt. Ding dong ditching someone by ringing the doorbell, leaving groceries or gifts, and running away without getting caught. If you are getting excited about the prospect of doing any of these things, even if you don't have a lot of money, you may have this gift. If you are getting excited about the prospect of someone doing these things for you, you are a greedy little human being. You are paying attention. Entrepreneur, you not only notice a need that is being unmet, you can see how to fix it. In your mind's eye, you can see how to address that need in a systematic, organized way. Maybe one of the ministries we need most right now is one we don't even know about yet, but you do. Talk with us. We'd love to hear what God has put in you for the common good. Wisdom. I hope we're all growing in wisdom. But some of you frequently have people come to you for direction and help at key moments in their lives. And you have striking clarity about what is most important. You seem to be able to discern how the truths in the Bible apply to this particularly murky situation, and if we would just listen to you, we would not get ourselves in as much trouble. By the way, if you're sitting here thinking of other people who come to mind when I describe these gifts and you have the desire to tell them afterwards, I think you have the gift of encouragement, and I want to encourage you to exercise it. Truth-telling or prophecy, this is not predicting what will happen in the future. It's courageously speaking into what is happening now, often in the face of confusion or resistance. Take injustice, for example. Prophets cannot stand injustice. And when you speak out against it, sometimes you are misunderstood, disliked, even shamed but you are often our conscience in the body of Christ. I know it comes at a cost and I know it's hard work, but we need to hear what you have to say to ensure we are remaining faithful to our mission. And finally, leading. You aren't content with the status quo. You can envision a new reality that would be better and you have the ability to communicate that vision in such a way that people are catalyzed into action to accomplish it together. You don't just want to see change, you can bring it about by guiding people from what is to what ought to be. Oh, how we need your gifts. So there you go, blitz over. Not too painful. Remember, this isn't all the gifts. That would take a while. This is just to get you started thinking about it. And if you are still wondering whether indeed God has given you any gift, remember our main verse for the day. Say it once again with me. Now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Come to the practice room uh, after this service. Make an appointment to meet with a staff member or myself this month that we can help you find your gift. I love helping people understand how God has gifted them. Now, let me pause there and ask an inevitable question at the end of something like this. Which gift is most important? which of these can we sort of do without or at least deal in lower doses of? That's an interesting question and it's actually something Paul spends a great deal of time addressing in 1 Corinthians 12. We can't cover all this chapter in depth in the remainder of our time, so I want to encourage you to read it over later today. But gift envy then as now was a big problem in the early church. And in order to answer that question, let me ask a different one. Which part of your body is most important to you? Andy did his doctoral work at Duke University and Duke has a very respected medical system. And I interacted with numerous doctors and medical professionals during our time there. And often this is like tells you the context you're in. Specialists could be overheard joking with one another whose expertise was really the most important. So there were the obvious front-runners, the cardiologists, the pulmonologists, the neurologists. But what about the ear, nose, and throat people who were operating on people's vocal cords? What about the dermatologists who were detecting early signs of skin cancer? One time, I was at a gathering, and one snarky individual said to another, oh, you're just an ophthalmologist? And the man's response was swift. He said, well, I found that when people can't see, they tend to want to see me. And it's true. Often, we don't value a body part until it isn't working. My son broke his wrist a couple of weeks ago, and guess what? He's been reminded daily how helpful a wrist is. Uh, When we were getting his cast on, I ran into a super young, healthy, fit guy from City Church at TRIA, um, whose back went out over the break. And guess what? He's appreciated his back in some ways he never did before. I tore my perineal tendon this summer before we went to the Boundary Waters. I didn't even know I had a perineal tendon. Now I appreciate it. Now, as with every analogy, it breaks down if you push it too far. Of course, I'd choose my brain over my pinky finger any day. But the basic illustration Paul uses is that the body is healthy specifically when the various parts are functioning as they're supposed to be in different ways. Different parts, same body. Different strengths, same goal. And in fact, it is those differences that allow the body to work together beautifully. What's true of our physical bodies is true of our spiritual body, the body of Christ. Verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. The body is not made up of one part, but of many. I like how the message paraphrases this. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. It is, in fact, the diversity of our parts that makes us a beautiful whole. But that design can also create tension, problems even. And Paul elaborates on two of those problems in verses 15 to 26. The first problem is inferiority, verses 15 to 20. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If the whole body were an eye, that's not a body. That's a monster. Maybe a cute little monster, Mike Wazowski, but it's a monster. Paul's railing against one of the most dangerous beliefs in Christian community. Because I am not, I do not belong. In society, certain people matter more than others. Certain skill sets are more coveted more than others. But not in God's community. Each part matters. Each part contributes. And when it doesn't, we are all the poorer for it. We need to call one another on this. The next time you hear someone diminishing their role, you respond, no, you are a hand, and we need our hands. But... Paul also wants us to watch out for the other extreme. The second problem is superiority, verses 21 to 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. As you look at that gift list, which one are you tempted to think, "Eh, I don't need you? We need to watch that. Every part matters. The message today is pretty simple. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And that means that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have decided to make City Church your primary community, we need your part. We are poor without it. And your own faith will grow as a result of you contributing to the common good. So what's your part? What can you offer to help us be a healthy, functioning body that helps people find and follow Jesus? I want you to take that insert out again. This time, turn it over to the side with all the words. That is not the side that our creative person likes. (laughs) She's a visual person. We've organized the majority of ministries here by gifting. So once you've identified a gifting, you can see some potential ways to use that gift, what the time commitment is, who to contact to learn more. Remember, this is practice not perfect, so I took the liberty of providing an imperfect resource for us. We may have missed some ministries, we could have listed them under different gifts, Um, but all the information you need is there to take the next step if you have to leave immediately after the service. But I hope many of you who are not in a hurry will stop by the practice room right now and have a brief conversation with someone to explore how you can contribute your part. We have people who can direct you to ministries. We have representatives from most ministries who can tell you what it's like to serve on that team. Some of you may be surprised to learn how easy this could fit into your regular routine. Some of you may find you develop friendships with others on the team who share your passion, or interest. And some of you may find that this is what catalyzes your spiritual growth, um, serving in a way you hadn't intended. To the skeptics among us, let me be clear here. We are not low on recruitment numbers. We do not have droves of positions empty for some reason that precipitated this sermon series. We decided to do this long ago. It's January, actually. Most of our spots are filled, in fact. But we take the Bible seriously. And this is God's beautiful design for his body, the church. And frankly, we would be negligent church leaders if we did not invite you from time to time to get in the game, to offer your part for the common good. And not just for our good, but for yours too. For people say time and time again that when they see God using them in this way that he intended, it is so deeply gratifying. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for the absolute beauty and intricacy of our physical bodies. We don't want eye to play the part of stomach. We don't want foot to play the part of hand. We need it all. And so too with this body, your body that you have given us. We need each part, oh God. Help us to delight in that diversity. Forgive us when we have felt inferior or superior. Help us to see value in one another and to work together as your body for our sake, because it is so gratifying, but more importantly, for your glory, that we would more fully, accurately represent who you are in this world that so longs to see you. In Jesus' name we pray.